Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Weekly Podcast. We got some news coming with you with uh, football is now concluded. A lot of rumors swirling around the Bears, what's happening. Got some Mitchy Mitch news, a uh, little sad, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, baseball news, they did come to an agreement today on the season. I've told both of these guys already that I will be ranting. I'm not a happy camper. But uh, I will say that I'm happy that we will be getting a 162-game season. That's always a plus, especially with how things are going right now. The Hawks are just surprising the hell out of all of us, uh, doing very well. Uh, And then the Bulls, just the injury bug keeps getting to them. We'll talk about that. We'll get some college basketball in there. But let's start with the Chicago Bears and the NFL, starting off with Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl. And, boys, we went three for three. I'm guessing. I know Pat ended up betting for the Chiefs, sadly. Uh, Should have stuck with his gut. Never bet against Tom Brady. I I mean, just the Chiefs not having their starting offensive line absolutely demolished them that game. I I mean, it just wasn't wasn't close from an aspect of offense. Tom Brady did his thing, uh, chirping a little bit. It was nice to see that during the Super Bowl. Boys, what did you guys think of the Super Bowl? Um, first of all, I think we have to give credit to Todd Bowles. Um, that scheme he had lined up um, in that front defensive line was unreal. They just had no answer for them, and Mahomes is running the whole game, and that's how you that's how you beat them. Um, you can't afford to have no protection when you're trying to get the ball to Tyreek Hill 60 yards on the field. Um, and the secondary, too. I, I think overall the, the Bucks showed their strength. Um Obviously, they have Gronk. They have really good wide receivers. Um, Brady, good running backs, but their defense, I think, is what won them the championship. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of points scored. Um, I thought it was still kind of cool to see Tom Brady's out there just – he's a GOAT, man. You, you can't I – don't, I don't think if anyone can argue that anymore, like, against it. Um, he's, he's just proven everybody wrong, and he keeps on shoving it in people's faces. I mean – I feel, yeah, Alpha Brand, you said it right. Never, never, always trust your gut. Uh, I said I was going to go with Brady. I'm like, there's, there's no way you can Brady can lose this game. The day of the Super Bowl, I'm like, there's no way they can stop Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So I had a had a change of heart and bet the Chiefs and it backfired on me. And I think that was my biggest key, my biggest takeaway from that game was seeing how well the Tampa Bay defense did against shutting down guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And you think about it too, Travis was lined up with a, with a backer almost the entire game. 
and that backer stuck. You know, I can't remember his name. His backer stuck with him the entire way. Kelsey did have over 100 yards receiving, but it was a very uh, I'm trying to think of the word to say here, not impactful 100 yards he received. Um, Tiger Kill was essentially obsolete the entire game. wasn't even there. Um, you know, I loved, it was I was a great game to start. Um, I, I would have never guessed in a million years that the Chiefs wouldn't have scored a touchdown in that entire game. I think that's just mind-boggling to think about. Um, but, yes, I know, like I said, give props to Tom Brady. I mean, if the GOAT, you know, uh, discussion was up for question at six rings, but I don't think it was, it's definitely not for up question anymore. Um, clearly the greatest football player to ever play. And uh, you have to give props to Patrick Mahomes, too, playing with the turf toe. And, I mean, he was just an absolute freak out there. I mean, he was running for his life. Uh, he was able to put or make some absurd throws that I don't think any other quarterback in the league can make. And I realistically, um, probably should, one or two of those should have been caught. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was one where Kelsey would have hit him right in the forehead. He didn't. There was two where they, they I think it was Kelsey and it might have been uh, Hardwell, I think is his last name. Something like that. Who yeah. dropped one. They right in, the, in between their fingers, right in their helmet, and they couldn't catch it. Um, so, you know. You know, Mahomes gave it his all, and I have mad respect for him. But you know, it's they're I mean they're favored to win it already. They're already going to early, early rankings for next season. And I think it's the Chiefs number one, the Browns are two, the Packs Packers are three, and I think the Bucks are four. Um, so everybody's already bet, betting on the Chiefs for next season. But it was a hell of a game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we move on, I kind of want to talk about the MVP because I feel like that was kind of a question mark, at least in my mind. Do we feel like Gronk? Should have won the MVP because that's where I stand. Where Gronk with two touchdowns, decent amount of yardages. Do you guys agree that Tom Brady should have won MVP? Yeah, one hundred percent. I just think that I, any game that he's in, he he's going to be. It's just like I think it's like a LeBron situation too. You know, you could have um, Anthony Davis drop fifty points, and I think if LeBron still contributes, um, it's it, it's still kind of lean towards LeBron. And I think the, and it's still a little different comparison too, because Brady threw those touchdowns as well. Um, and so he was another part of those touchdowns. So I just don't think you can take anything away from Brady in that whole situation. Um, two comments I want to make real quick too. Um, what was really cool that not only was this the first Super Bowl hosted by a team that was playing in it, uh, they also won. So that was also super cool to see. Like history was made that night, kind of something that was glazed over, I thought. And I thought they should have kind of, I don't know, talked about it a little bit more. I agree. And then, did you guys see that the guy that was streaking, he bet that there would be a streaker, and he made, like, what was it, like? 350000 k yeah. And it was, like an, it was like a grand to get out of jail. That's insane. That's insane. Good for him. I'm kind of surprised that sports books, like, didn't, you know, you got to plan ahead just a little bit. And, like, okay, if we're making this bet, there's probably a good chance that one person that bets on the streaker is going to go to the game, and you can easily manipulate that bet. But, I mean, hey, that was a 200 IQ play for him, and I kind of respect it. But, Brandon, back to your original question, I do think Brady was probably the most deserving of the MVP. I think PT said it best. Um, I made a bet with uh, one of my buddies last year for the NBA Finals, and I'm like, Anthony was for the Lakers to win in the bubble last year. Um, and I'm like, there's no way they can't give it 80, and they, they gave it to LeBron. I think it's that star power factor that kind of has an overarching pull. Um, granted, I think that 
you could have you could have threw Cole Komet out there and Cole Komet scoring two touchdowns in, in Gronk's place. I think Brady really is the facilitator of that one. Um, I mean, Gronk's just a, a giant ass dude who's running outfield. He's not juking anybody. He's not outrunning anybody. It's Brady throwing the ball in the right place for the guy that he had, he's had chemistry with for however many years. So I do think Brady did deserve it. Um, and I also, too, I, when you said MVP, I thought you were talking about the league MVP. I, Aaron Rodgers is an absolute runaway for the league MVP. Oh, I'm 100%. Happy got it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers definitely deserved it. Well, let's go over to the Bears now. PT, I'll let you take the reins on the Carson Wentz rumors. Yeah, so it's um, been a emotional roller coaster for me in the past week, I would say, with all this stuff starting to flare up. Um, if you guys live under a rock, um, there's been a ton of rumors flying around that the Bears are either front runners or very heavily interested in Carson Wentz. Um, the first original rumor that I saw um, was two first-round picks um, in a big de- big. Time, actually, I take that back. A first-round pick and a third in a big-time defensive player. Um, and I almost shit my, shit my pants right there and then um, that we would even consider giving something away for Carson Wentz like that. Um, and now kind of when this stuff starts to kind of get cleared out, I, I heard two first-round picks, Nick Foles and Tyreek uh, Cohen. What are we doing here, boys? I mean – I'd rather re-sign Mitch if that would be the case. I honestly have no clue. What we're seeing here, do, are, like, do they see like everyone else in the whole wide world? I mean, like, people are literally on ESPN and big like social media outlets making fun of the Chicago Bears because this is just it's what they do. They sign, they overpay for mediocre quarterbacks. It's ridiculous. It's awful. What do you guys? Uh, I, I, I was. I'm at a loss of words. Yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, again, we this is I feel like this is our one recurring theme with this podcast is to take Chicago sports Twitter with a grain of salt because it was an absolute shit show when really it was rumors started to kind of pick up ground on this Carson Wentz trade. And I immediately was like, okay, Carson Wentz, you know, he's, he had a rough season last year, obviously, but um, he does have a torn ACL, but, but you never know. He was in a bad environment. Obviously there was a lot of turmoil with that front office there. So maybe, maybe not too horrible. He does have a $30 million contract. It's really bad. So I'm like, okay, maybe like we get him like third cheap, like a third rounder and like, you know, a no name guy off a practice squad or some shit like that. I'm like, sure, go for it then. You know, I, I can't complain too much. And then I saw, I saw a proposed trade that was, it was a high caliber defensive player, two firsts and two seconds. And obviously a high caliber defensive player contractually, you're looking at either Kyle Ford or Akeem Hicks. And I'm like, there's absolutely zero shot the Bears could do that. And I see tweets of there's one team that proposed a trade to the Eagles that no other team's even going to come close to matching. Uh, that, you know, the Eagles want two first rounders and Ryan Pace is listening. I mean, it was, I'm like, I was in shambles. You know, our good, our, our one big listener, Brett. He, uh, I texted him, he obviously he's a Browns fan. I texted him, I'm like, do I have your blessing to hop on the Browns bandwagon if, if shit goes south? And he said, you're, you're more than welcome here. So I have that backup plan if that happens. But I will say recently, those rumors have died down a lot. And I've seen a lot of tweets saying Ryan Pace didn't even offer him anything. They haven't even been in contact with the Eagles about anything regarding Carson Wentz. So that being said, I don't think it's going to happen. So I feel like it would have happened already if it was, if it was that serious the way we saw and then, obviously, we're going to get into the Mitch news. Um, obviously, we were going to be in the look for the need for the quarterback unless we settle for Nick Foles, our starter, and Tyler Bray as our backup. Fuck, Pat. That sounds rough right there. Foles is our yes, starter. Yes, it does. 
that would be very rough. But with the Carson Wentz rumors, that a lot of the rumors were saying that the deal would be done by the end of the weekend. So I guess you could kind of take that as a positive that nothing has happened yet. Uh, then the reports of that there's one team that has made the best offer. That makes me a little worried that it might be the Bears, considering all of the rumors twirling around. I I would not mind Carson Wentz either, Pat, for the deal that you talked about, like a third rounder and some bum from wherever. But the fact that we, again, this could all be fake. Maybe the new reports are true that we haven't even contacted the Eagles. There were, uh, I think there were too many reports, though, going around that we couldn't have at least have had contact with the Eagles. Uh, so, again, the f- two first, two seconds, and offensive, defensive player doesn't matter. If we give up one first-round pick, if we give up a second-round pick for Carson Wentz, I'm going to be upset. So, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Uh, let's try and find a better quarterback because uh, I don't think Carson Wentz would be the guy, even though, Pat, you are right, he did have a bad situation in Philly. Maybe shit will change here, but we have our own turmoil with our front office, so I don't know if the situation would get much better for once. Yeah, 100%. I think Pat made a fantastic point earlier in the week, too, about this whole quarterback search for the Chicago Bears is a lose-lose situation, and we're just praying that it's in the least heartbreaking way. I think the couple just rumors that we listed are probably in the the most incredible heartbreaking way possible um i think we'd be fine honestly like see when you go when you first think of like carson Wentz, who would we probably give up i would fucking think that it'd be a straight up deal fucking sending nick Foles to philly sending carson Wentz to the bears i mean like honestly um and the fact we're talking about draft picks is blasting me um and so we We'll kind of move on from Carson Wentz because there's some also interesting names. Do you guys have anything more on Carson Wentz? Because there's definitely some interesting names out there coming up. Um, so obviously we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, past month, Deshaun Watson. Um, if, if we're willing to give up that much for Carson Wentz, I, fuck it. Let's, let's, let's go drop all our dick on, on Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm all in on him if that's what, if that's what we're in. Because it kind of looks like what the Bears are doing is they're more interested in trading for a quarterback than drafting one. Um, Maybe that's Ryan Pace being a little scared um, since he wasn't successful in the first time doing it. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, another rumor, boys. When Russell Wilson was accepting his um, was accepting his what was it, Man of the Year award. Yeah, yeah, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Said, yeah, yeah. He went out and said, um, I, I don't know. It's on the Seahawks if they want to trade me or something. So there's turmoil there now coming up on social media. So we got to keep an eye out for that. Um, just keep that in the back of your head. I want to throw in something on that Russell Wilson news, too. I saw a tweet today that Russell Wilson's, um, I don't know if it's his, like, agency or, like, his his people that do all the, the contractual talk and all that good stuff. They said they've been extremely displeased with the Seahawks organization as they have not made any serious moves to protect him in terms of an offensive line, which also speaks to more, more tur- turmoil. Now, the Bears probably aren't that much better offensive line speaking um, in terms of the Seahawks. I guess we could say we played a lot better in the back half of the season with our O-line. But it'd be, I can't even imagine Russell Wilson playing for another team. I couldn't even imagine it. I can't even. When I, I saw wouldn't that, fucking I, mind I, if it was like, the well, Bears, I though. Check it, but it was crazy. Yeah. I, I do think the Bears' offensive line is significantly better than the Seahawks. The Seahawks was like 30, like was dead last and wasn't even close in the NFL, my protection rating. So, I, 
you know, it, are we all in on fucking dropping dick on a big quarterback now? Like, is that going to be our small little heartbreak is lo- losing draft picks? I don't know. I'm, I am. I, after I, I this Carson Wentz thing, boys, I, I literally, if anything else happens, if, like if we do something stupid here, you guys already know the anger I had built up when I first heard about Carson Wentz. I cannot, I cannot deal with something stupid going on. I, I can't, I can't. I agree. If we're gonna if we're gonna drop dick on somebody, I want to drop it on Deshaun Watson. I mean, if you the way you guys phrase this question is like, yes, if like we had to make a trade for a quarterback and we're giving up in excess of seven years worth of like draft picks, yeah, I guess it would be Deshaun Watson. But like, I don't even think I want to make this trade anymore. Uh, I I think. But but I'd here's rather... the thing, Pat. It's a lose lose. We're. we're it, it's it's looking the way that we're dropping so many picks. We're trading a probably we're gonna trade a key player to somebody. Because if you look at our cap and the way that the Bears run their with their money and stuff, we're not gonna go over the cap. I think I just saw reports saying they were like 500k over the cap for next season. So we're probably gonna get rid of somebody or we're gonna release some guys to get under the cap. We've got no money to spend. We're going to trade, and I don't think we're going to draft a quarterback. We're not going to sign a quarterback, so all everybody that's saying Fitzmagic come to Chicago, I don't think it's going to happen. That would be fantastic, but we're trading. I, I think it's going to happen. There there's, there's, seems to be no confidence at all within our front office in drafting right now, um, especially with all these rumors flying around. Because if there, if there wasn't, there would already be a statement out saying that, no, we're going to invest in our draft. Um, and we're gonna save our picks, um, and then just this this just circles back to everything, man. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? I, okay, I, I think of it this way: we, if we trade for Deshaun Watson, we're probably giving up three to four first round picks. So let's look at that. Is I don't even know if we more. have. I think I think it's gonna take more. Dude, we're literally not gonna have a first. It's gonna be worse than the yeah. Mac trade. We're not gonna have a first rounder for until fucking twenty twenty seven, twenty twenty eight. This, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is is it really worth giving up that much to potential? Here's here's my thing too. Deshaun Watson does not make us a Super Bowl team. If we needed, if all we needed was a quarterback, and we would be a Super Bowl contender in the NFC, yes, we drop everything and we push to make that final push towards the Super Bowl. I'm all for it. But the fact that Sean Watson makes us a better team, but it does not make us a playoff. It does not put us on the same level as the Packers winning the NFC North. So the way I look at it is don't leverage our future on one guy. Let's suck for one more season, potentially draft a quarterback in Mac Jones this year. And if it doesn't work out, Ryan Pace loses his job. We still have draft picks for the future to where a new GM can come in. And I, as much as I don't want to say it, we can have to suck it up, suck for a couple more years, get our hearts broken. Hopefully there's some changes in management, and then we go do another rebuild with a new GM and a new head coach. I think that's – as much as that sounds horrible, I'd rather do that than leverage our future on a guy that isn't going to make a Super Bowl team. See, I agree yeah. with you 100%, Pat, but here's what you got to look at. It's Ryan Pace making this decision, and he's trying to save his ass so he's around longer. Sure, we want him to be gone in this season – I think if we asked Ryan Pace where he wants to be in a year or two, I think he would like to stay with the Bears. So I think that he's going to do everything that he can to stick with that. And I don't think that, the sure, Deshaun Watson wouldn't make us a Super Bowl winner. I think it possibly could with some luck. But 
Ryan we're Pace. Not getting, we're not getting A-Rod back, so who, his number one wide receiver is going to be Darnell Mooney. And I'm not taking anything away from Darnell, but he's not a number one receiver. Yeah, I agree. But Ryan Pace is going to make this move if it stays, stays his ass. Because if we this, make the playoff next year, what are you, I don't think you can fire him. No, listen, boys. This, this, I'm going to tell you exactly what happens right now. The Bears are going to trade away four first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. And in this presser, and after the Bears aren't too good, maybe they make the playoffs losing the first round, Ryan Pace goes out and says, give me two more years. Give me three more years. I'll build a team around Deshaun Watson. If he signs or trades for Deshaun Watson, it gives him another five-plus years to have an excuse. I trade a bunch of picks away for this star. Love team around him. He's trying to save his job, and this is probably the way to do it. Um, but it's also not the best interest in in the organization. Um, so we're fucked. That's it. <laughs> fucked. Right right across the Bears' name, fucked. On our jerseys, on apparel, everything, the Bears are fucked. That's the thing, too, is, like, if you try to – if you make this trade and it's, it's 99% draft capital and you're not exposing any um, cap space in guys like – you know, guys who take up a lot of cap, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, those who, I'm not saying we're going to trade those guys, but those guys hold up a lot of cap space on our roster. We had Deshaun Watson, and he comes out like, listen, give me two more years. We don't have the money to build anything around him. We don't have the money to sign another – we don't have the money to sign Allen Robinson. We were locked up, like, between two guys that have a severely regressed uh, in Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack over the past two seasons, or one season for Robert Quinn at least. Like, even if we do do that, we don't have the money, we don't have the assets to, like, build around Deshaun Watson. That's the thing, is, like, I, I just, like, it's a lose-lose, guys, and we are, so, it's going to be so bad these next couple years. And I think, too, it's like, I want Ryan Pace gone, I want a fresh start, very similar to what the Bulls did, but similar to Reinsdorf, McCaskey, and, and Phillips are so loyal that they're loyal to a fault, and that's going to be the downfall of this team, and there's going to be a beauty at some point where, like, the Bears fans are really going to start jumping ship. I really, I think what you're going to see is when fans are allowed back in stadiums at full capacity. Boo! And the booing, or dude, is I couldn't even imagine. I, even though the, the Bears have sucked for however long, similar to the Hawks, they've sucked for the past couple years, the UC is always sold out. If if there's one game where, like, if there's a lot of empty seats, like Browns, like Browns tier, like when they were super shitty and you could buy a ticket for five bucks, like a shitty Sox game, I mean, that's when it's going to start to really hit the fan and McCaskey's going to have to make tough, tough decisions. But, like, it's – I don't see us being relevant in football probably until, like, we're, like, we're all 2021, probably toward 30. It's disgusting to think about, but I just – I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, one last point before we do our last football th- uh, point, and Pat, I'll let you take over that. Um, this would be a perfect move if – we were in 2018 or 2019. When Pat said all we needed was a quarterback. And How about we just fucking drafted the guy instead? Yeah, yeah. When we're two to three years late and we drafted the wrong fucking guy. When we could have Fuck. drafted this guy that we're about to trade for. Fucked. Go ahead, Pat. Let's yeah. say goodbye to our good friend. So, uh, in recent news, I actually just broke today. Um, I didn't get to listen to ESPN 1000. Usually I'm up at 6.30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I'm always able to catch the opening of it with Cap and J-Hood. Um, but according from David Kaplan on ESPN 1000, uh, Kaplan has spoke to many people close to Mitch Trubisky, and he has zero interest in coming back to Chicago. 
and uh, Caps has also talked to people that are very close to Matt Nagy, and the Bears organization has no interest in him coming back. With that being said, as a reminder, uh, Mitch, they did not pick up his fifth-year option, so he was playing for a contract this season, and I think he probably, if he did play, if he never got hurt and he never got benched, I think he potentially could have earned himself a one-year deal. Um, but it looks like that Mitch is on his way out, and he'll probably go serve the rest of his NFL career as a backup, which sucks to see because I love him to death. I mean, he's just a great guy. He seems like a great guy, a great leader in the locker room. So like, a, just like, I mean, you can't hate Mitch Trubisky. Whether you, whether you think he's bad as a quarterback, as a person, smile like you not hate him ever. Like my my go-to memory of Mitch off the field is him showing up to the presser with a Chicago Bears Christmas sweater that lights I had lights on it. And Mitch hits the button and turns it on. Like, you can't hate that. So, that being said, Mitch is not going to be our quarterback next year, and it breaks my heart. And from our previous talk, we could either we can go from having Deshaun Watson and leveraging our future to Nick Foles and Tyler Bray. Like, it's it's not it's not going to be good. And I, I hope to God that it – I mean, and I speak for this as a, as a – not to be disrespectful to Nick Foles, but if he's our starter, I hope to God he sucks ass. So that that's another it's another uh, you know demerit if you want to call it on Ryan Pace's resume because I mean Mike Mike Lennon and his ass who did nothing we overpaid for and now again it's another Mike Lennon situation where he's not good and he thought he could be a starter and he's not and it's gonna be the same thing over with Nick Foles and I it, it, dude imagine Nick Foles gets hurt Tyler Bray is going to take over the starting position. Like, that is disgusting to think about in our organization. That's why I'm saying I think I'd rather bite the bullet and draft Mac Jones if he's on the board when we get there at 20. Yeah, uh, just tough to say goodbye to what, Pat? I was going to say, like, think of it this way, too. If we draft Mac Jones at 20, I feel – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I feel a lot better with Nick Foles being our starter and Mac Jones being our backup than Nick Foles being our starter and Tyler Bray being our backup. Yeah, uh, I will say this. It is tough to say goodbye to Mitchie Mitch. Kind of knew that this day was coming after the last couple months. I will tell you what, though. Mitch is probably going to be a fantastic backup quarterback. And he probably will be for a while. He'll make some quan. He'll live his life. Probably not have to do much. Kick his feet back. Relax. Just, It's going to be tough to see him go with all the potential that we thought that uh, this team had, especially with Mitch at the helm, especially after that 2018 season when we thought, oh, we're we're good. We just need Mitch to play just as good as he did in 2018, maybe a little bit better, and it just has all gone south. So, Mitch, I guess thanks for 2018. That was fun, and now we got to deal with all this bullshit. From the bottom of my heart, I apologize that – the toxicity of Chicago ran you out of town. Um, you know, you, I guess we all kind of believed in you. Um, we thought you were our savior. And it just didn't roll the way I guess we all wanted it to. So we wish you the best of luck. I think I think he's getting married at some point here soon. I think he's engaged. So yeah, he just got engaged. Hopefully, hopefully that's a good time. I guess you're. I guess you're always welcome back to Chicago, poor guy. I mean, jeez, this guy's never gonna want to come back to Chicago. Best city in the world, can't even come back. Yeah, dude, I Hate mean, to it's, see it. it's gonna be. Uh, it's definitely gonna be a void in my heart. I'm as much as I love Jay Cutler. Uh, Mitch is right there. I think Mitch is a close second for my favorite all-time Chicago quarterback in my lifetime, at least. Um, 
he definitely out he definitely uh, beats out Coward and Sexy Rexy. That's a fact. I think he's just underneath Jay just by a smidge. But uh, yeah, it sucks to see him go, man. But I think Brandon, you said he's going to be a hell of a backup quarterback. He's going to make a lot of money, and um, we'll see what that is. And of course, right now we have breaking news coming in. Wait, Brandon, is this real? No, it's a it's a fucking joke. <laughs> for the for the record, Brandon just texted our group chat. It was like NFL announces all future Super Bowls will be held in Dallas. Uh, in order to assure that no team ever has home field advantage. And I, I just assumed, all I thought was breaking, so I'm like, okay, Brandon's hitting us with breaking news. Uh, and I saw the Twitter handles. So, um, that's yes. a little, that's, I mean, hey, too, so I, I'll, I'll conclude a little bit of positivity in this Bears aspect. It could always be worse. We could be Cowboys fans. We could be Texans fans right now who now have a new DC and Lovey Smith. And uh, trading and their star no, quarterback, no so. Whatsoever. So it could be worse. I mean, it's saying it's not good in Chicago. It could be worse. That you guys are lucky, true. Dallas. You guys are in a good one. He's really going to – that defense is going to be fucking hard. Fucking, they're going to stop everybody. Definitely. All right. We go with football, that was sarcasm, boys. by the way. If yeah, anybody yeah. couldn't catch that on the other side of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. We good from football? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to some baseball. And before I get into my rant about how pissed off I am, let's start with some uh, housekeeping – the Chicago White Sox signed Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal to hopefully be the backup backup catcher. Uh, he signed with Boston last year. Lucroy was an all-star in 2016. He had a very good beginning, mid-career. Now he's starting to get to that late veteran stage where he's not really producing. Signed with Boston last year. Didn't play in one game. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because of COVID. But I do know that he was on the taxi squad last year for the Red Sox. Never saw an opportunity. And when you have a team like Boston who didn't even come close to, I I don't even think they won 80 games last year. They might have won 75. But Luke Roy didn't see any time. They don't really have a starting catcher either. So take that as you will. Hopefully he stays in the minors. Maybe if Collins gets hurt, maybe then he'll jump into the backup role. Some Cubs news. Uh, Cubs officially have signed Jock Peterson and Andrew Chaffin. Uh, very both good signings. Also, they claim Sergio Alcantara off of waivers from Detroit. Now, this claim was kind of interesting because Alcantara is out of minor league options. So it's either he starts opening day on the roster uh, playing for the Cubs, either on the bench or starting in the infield, which I don't see happening. Uh, in that case, he would need to be traded or released. So may, I, I will see if Alcantara starts the season on the active roster. I'm not very sure. Now, boys, the Nolan Arenado deal is finally official. The Rockies receive Alhiris Montero, who is the number eight Cardinals prospect, Tony Lucy, Jake Summers, Mateo Gill, and Austin Gomer. Uh the big piece of this trade, I know a lot of you guys are looking at it, that Montero, number eight Cardinals prospect, got to mean something. The big piece of this trade, and it's kind of surprising considering it's the Colorado Rockies, is Austin Gomer, who had a very good 2020 for the St. Louis Cardinals uh, out of the bullpen. He's a very good piece to have. He's a young guy. But what concerns me here is the Rockies have only one top 100 prospects. The Cardinals have three. 
Not one of those top 100 prospects from the Cardinals went to the Rockies in that deal, which is absolutely unbelievable and just a terrible trade. The Cardinals even got $50 million coming along with Nolan Arenado uh, for his contract. So it's just unbelievable that they couldn't get a top 100 prospect. Montero's a solid ball player. Losey and Summers and Gill haven't really seen anything above double A. So they're kind of up in the air. So Austin Gomer's the big piece going to Colorado. And Colorado is a hitter-friendly ballpark. Why would you ever want to trade your best player for a pitcher? Uh, I think in this deal they're getting three pitchers, uh, at least two pitchers. It's just I don't know what the Rockies are doing. If you if you look at this and see what the trend may be, I'm going to be worried when they trade Trevor Story for two single-A guys that have been in the single-A for six years. And just I just I'm worried about the Rockies and what they're going to do. Because this is a terrible trade. I mean, what are you boys thinking? This is just absolutely terrible. I think this goes a message that goes out to our Chicago Bears fans and our Chicago Cubs fans. Hey, at least we're not the Rockies, you know. <laughs> they just got fucking robbed right in front of their face. Um, I, 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 like you said, I can't believe they didn't get one of those top 100 prospects. You know, it's just you think that's what happens. Even with the, <clears throat> the sale trade, um, with the Eaton trade, Look at what the Sox guy. So I, I think it's almost. I think it's, it's it's crazy. It's robbery. Yeah, I mean, again, this isn't in my area of strong suit, but I mean, from what Brandon's broken down as, it's it's pretty preposterous as to what happened here. I mean, this is straight up highway robbery. And honestly, I want to. I feel like I haven't seen too much about it on Twitter, but I almost feel like I want to go like join like a Rockies like fan group on Facebook and see what they're saying about this stuff. Cause I feel like it, it's, it's, it's going to be a pretty like scary place to go into right now. Um, I mean, Hey dude, I mean the, the Cardinals are, are set for a, a quite amount of time and they, they, they made all the right moves at the right time because the NL central really isn't anything special whatsoever. I mean, I don't see the Cardinals having any issue in terms of running the NL central this year. Um, I do think it's funny too that Arenado is like, I love playing in Wrigley Field. I can't wait for this rivalry. And Barcelona Carl's like, shut the fuck up. We're gonna, <laughs> you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna kick our ass. Don't even try to play nice. Yeah. Um, so I mean, hey, it's it's cool to see. I guess if uh, an enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Yeah. yeah, that yeah works. So I mean, hey, go Cards. Um, I'm not too far away from down where I'm at at school. It'll be fun to watch, man. It really will be. They seem like they're gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, and who knows? Who knows what happens? I mean, I just. Do the Rockies don't have anything to like look for anymore, or are they they pretty much going to be op- or not existent for the next couple of years? I mean, they they have Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. That's that's about it for them right now. Uh, their pitching's brutal. They got some. I mean, like I said, they only have one top one hundred prospect right now, and after trading your best player, one of the best <coughs> players in the league, for not even one top one hundred prospect. Listen, the Cardinals got one of the best players in baseball, and they still have three top 100 prospects, and Matthew Libertor, who is very solid. Uh, they got him from the Rays last year. He's going to help out in their rotation or bullpen later on this year. They got Dylan Carlson, who's a switch-hitting outfielder, who made his professional debut against the White Sox last year. He's very good. I mean, This team is going to have no problems adding Nolan Arenado, 
And after trading Dexter Fowler, they have an open outfield spot now for Dylan Carlson, who you can already argue is already better than what Dexter Fowler has been for the Cardinals. Uh, another thing, the fucking Angels trading for Dexter Fowler to be right next to Mike Trout. Absolute bull. I don't know what they're doing. It's it's real. It really aggravates the shit out of me. Do you boys have anything else on the Nolan Arenado deal? Oh, I don't think I got anything. It's just, like I said, it's going to be fun to watch. And it was hilarious to see all this shit play out. Yeah. Well, real, too, is it, is it Story a free agent next year, too? He is. He yeah, is no shot agent. he goes back. Zero. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zero percent chance he goes back. That's why they need to trade him, too. They just need to – I'm worried, Rockies fans, if you guys need help. If there's a Rocky fan, listen here. I'm a psychology major. If you need some help, just uh, DM me on Twitter. Uh, so – before we get into my rant about the agreement that the MLB came on today, Trevor Bauer did sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. An absolute, just absolute terrible contract in my opinion. He's going to get $45 million next season, $40 million the season after that, and then $17 million in his third season. Uh, I don't think he's going to stick around for that $17 million season because I think he's going to test free agency again. He does have an option after each year, so we'll see if he uh, if the Dodgers win it this year. Very, uh, I think it'd be very clear that he would test free agency out again and go to another team. I, I just can't imagine paying forty five million dollars to a player that's only going to play every five days. And no hate to Trevor Bauer; he had an amazing year this year, won the NL Cy Young. But before this season, he's kind of been up and down. And for him to get a $45 million contract for for next season, $40 million the year after that, it's just, I don't see it. I, I was on the train for the White Sox to sign him. After seeing the contract, I'm very happy that they did not. Uh, how are you boys feeling about this? Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, I guess Jerry doesn't want to pull the money out. I guess we'll just say fuck ourselves, but no. Um, no, and honestly, yeah, that contract is like, it's crazy. Um, good for him, though. Um, and I guess, you know, let's just put more pressures on the Padres. You know, the Padres coming out guns a blazing, and fucking the Dodgers said check, checkmate, man. So I guess we'll see what happens out there. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be, oh, dude, it's going to be historic, the battles that those teams are going to have. Yeah, I mean, it's that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, too. Um, and for me, it'd mean that Sox have probably the best argumentation in the MLB. Not anymore. Um, I think the Dodgers have by landslide. You have uh, Buehler, Kershaw, Bauer, Price, and then I'm blanking on their fifth Dustin guy off the top of my head. Huh? Dustin May, the orange long-haired guy. Him or I thought it was like Urias was oh, his last name. Yeah, dude, they're going to have like a seven-man rotation. They're going to be oh, absolutely disgusting this year. Uh, but yeah, that contract—it's it, disgusting. It—it it really is. I mean, I'm not like I said. I'm not taking away from him and his skill. He definitely deserves it. He had a hell of a year, and that's what happens when you're a big market team. You spend big market dollars. You're able to make those kind of moves. And I mean, shout out to them. It, I mean, they're really—they're really going all in for it. For me, the most like mind-boggling portion is that his contract be 40 million. The whole Indians roster for the 2021 season is 36 and a half million. The whole payroll for the Pirates. They won thirty-seven point seven million, and the entire payroll for the Orioles roster for twenty twenty-one is thirty-nine point one. So he is making more money than three MLB rosters a season, which is just mind-boggling to think about. It is mind-boggling. 
But you know what, though? With this Dodgers uh, contract, they're spending their money uh, in a spot where they didn't really need help. But, I mean, shit, I guess you take it where you can get it. Uh, Trevor Bauer added that rotation. I think the Dodgers are going to come out once again as World Series favorites. Uh, I don't even think Bauer is going to be their number one starter this year after winning the NL Cy Young. I think it's going to be Walker, Clayton, and then Bauer. I guess you could switch Clayton and Bauer because uh, Clayton's kind of at the end of uh, – I wouldn't say he's at the end of his career, but he's getting older. Uh, injuries are starting to nag him a little bit more with his back. Uh, he's had back problems really bad for the last couple years. So maybe they want to slide Kershaw to the three spot, put less pressure on him, more off days. Maybe he's kind of – maybe he'll take an extra day off because they have so many options. Fuck, boys. The Dodgers are looking good. They're looking really good for next season. That that rotation is going to be more. I mean, many, I think a lot of people realize what they have right now, but nobody's going to really realize till the playoffs. I mean, you have that's that's always a big playoff question. Is you know, is Kershaw going to pitch to maybe if it goes seven games? you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. I mean, you're five guys deep, five solid, four or five solid guys deep in a rotation. I mean, those guys can be living lavishly to the point you could probably start pulling them out of the bullpen for super like rare situations, and you don't have to worry about them, you know, overthrow overworking their shoulder. I mean, they are looking set for the playoffs this year. Oh, definitely, and their offense is absolutely amazing. I mean, we saw that this uh, past season in the World Series. I know that they subtracted Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez. They've still got probably one of the best offensive bats in the league in Mookie Betts. They have Cody Bellinger. They have A.J. Pollock. They have Max Muncy. They have Gavin Lux. They have Corey Seager. I wouldn't be shocked if they re-sign Justin Turner. And they've got Will Smith behind the plate. I mean, that is like an MLB The Show franchise team. Like, these people are like... There's sweaty people in the show that will take out their starting pitcher in the third inning and throw another starting pitcher in. Like that's what they could do, honestly. It's just it's gonna be a, a sweaty show roster, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean shit. Uh they're gonna be looking good. Now, I know you boys have been waiting for my rant about what happened. I know Pat, you said that you haven't really heard much about the agreement that came to today. So let's get into it. Okay, so it's time. For the rant, I know, Pat, you were saying you haven't looked too much into the details about the agreement that came to today. Well, you're going to be surprised because who do you fucking do? All right, so with Uncle Rob and the rules they starting to implement in the game, he's really big on growing the game. I think he's really trying to grow the game to make it as Little League-like as possible announcing that the seven-inning doubleheaders will be back. Uh, Last time I checked, professional baseball was nine innings. Uh, I don't know why we're doing these seven-inning doubleheaders. COVID's gone. We're playing a 162-game season. You said you wanted things to go back as they were uh, previous seasons. Why are seven-inning doubleheaders still a thing? Absolutely ridiculous. Now, you want to talk about more Little League things? Extra innings will start with a runner on second base. Uh, people did nothing but complain about it last year. Now, I don't know one person that likes that rule, yet you bring it back. Fuck you, Pat. You bring it back for whatever reason. 
it's just stupid to me. I don't like it. The California extra inning rule or whatever. I remember playing that when I was 12 or 13 in travel ball. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. couple more pieces here. Uh, no expanded playoffs. I actually kind of enjoyed the expanded playoffs last year, but I understand why they aren't bringing it back. And another big thing that makes me very upset is the no universal DH. I know, Pat, once again, you are a fan of watching pitchers hit. I, for one, am not. I feel like universal DH, everybody should be hitting that should be able to hit. Uh, Pitchers do struggle with the bat, but I know that we do have some pitchers like Jacob DeGrom, Madison Bumgarner, who can swing the bat. Bartolo Cologne. Bartolo Cologne, who can swing the bat very well. But then you have, what, 98% of the other pitchers in the league who can't swing a bat. And some pitchers has, have even gotten hurt. Uh, most notably, Chicago Cubs fans, Mark Pryor, got hurt running on the base paths. Was never the same after that. I mean, this just some of these rules and the way that Manfred just keeps talking. I want to grow the game. I want to grow the game. Well, bud, you're doing a really shitty fucking job of that with making everything Little League-like as possible. Making players, and this is Trevor Bauer 101 right here. Not letting players wear what spikes they want not letting them post what they want, not letting players uh, post videos of themselves, uh, deleting content, not letting the fans post videos and taking that down because of the stupid agreement that they had three or four years ago. And my biggest pet peeve is I, I for one, I don't know about you boys, but I have the MLB TV where I can watch the Sox from wherever. But fucking all the blackout restrictions, like stupid – can't watch them when they're playing in St. Louis. Can't watch them when they're playing in Detroit. Can't watch them when they're playing in Milwaukee. It's just absolutely stupid. Rob needs to get his shit together. I mean, what are you boys thinking? Because I, I, I think this is absolutely crazy. Um, One, that Rob's a moron. And two, that I think I could run the league better. Um, I mean, honestly, though, like, you made, you, you made a great comparison. This is literally turning into a Little League organization um there's so many different things that are just kind of being laid out and we're just it's just does anyone else not question them when they're in the meetings talking about this kind of stuff because like there's points where we get to the players and these players are literally voicing on social medias about how they how, how they want things changed and all of a sudden it's just they, they don't listen to them it just blows my mind i think it's time for him to get out and he needs to be gone yeah, I mean, I have a couple couple points I want to hit on. I do believe the seventh, the seven inning doubleheaders. That's a pretty, pretty dumb rule. Um, I don't really see how what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you don't you don't have to clear the stadium. Like, you know, I I, I don't know. That does seem silly to me. Uh, before I get into the runner on second and and extra innings, I'll go into the expanded playoff format first. I understand, Brandon. I understand why they're not bringing that back. However, I did like it a lot because it almost gave me like a March Madness type thing, that week one March Madness feeling where like, I mean, dude, when the Sox were in the playoffs, I was watching baseball games at noon, noon on like a Tuesday, and it was like for the entire, for like almost a week straight, you were watching baseball starting at noon till like 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was awesome. Um, like I said, I loved it a lot, but I, I understand why they're not doing it. I think I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot more because it was only a 60-game season. So if we are getting 162 games, I can't complain too much in that aspect. And going into the runner on second, 
I don't hate it, and I think my reasoning why I think it just makes like it just makes games more enjoyable, makes them more like it's almost like hockey when they drop to a three on three format for overtime because there was too many times where the game where you weren't even getting it was a straight stalemate in overtime, and they needed to get they want to be able to generate the games more to produce more excitement, make it more fun. And I think that's exactly what they did when they moved to three on three. And I think if you do that with the MLB and throwing a guy in second base, you're, it's a whole different game plan. The coaches are game planning completely differently when you do have a runner on second. Um, you're going to need a utility guy. You you need to be able to uh, like game plan a different way when you do have a runner on second. I think it, huh? Yolmer? No. No, no Yolmer went to Baltimore. PT, when I hand over to you, you, you talk, or Brandon, you talk. I'll, I'll fucking look it up. Uh but I do, I do like it. I, I don't hate the idea. I think it, it keeps makes games more enjoyable, especially, uh, you know. I mean, as much as those like twenty-two inning games are crazy to even think happen, but dude, just like watching eleven more innings of scoreless baseball is just, like mind-numbing, and I'm losing brain cells watching it. I don't hate the idea of having a man at second. I really don't. Yeah, uh, PT. What 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 do you feel about the runner starting on second? It, it, it's just like literally we talk about this. This is literally what we played like when we were 12 or 13. Um, but I do understand we saw kind of the NHL kind of move away from like trying to end the game quicker too. Um, so I think it's, I mean, if that's what they're trying to do, they're trying to end the game, then it's whatever, you know? Yeah. Some things you just can't, you can't be happy with everything, you know? That is true. Uh, some other White Sox news before we move on. Uh, Steve Ciszek resign or not resign. Steve Ciszek signed with the trash can uh, Houston Astros today, becoming their second sidearm thrower or submarine guy, as some would say, in their bullpen behind former Cubs uh, pitcher Joe Smith. So they've got that going for them. Uh, otherwise, some other big free agent names to kind of look forward to. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is still on the market. Uh, Justin Turner is still on the market, but he is uh, most likely going to uh, re-sign with the Doyers, which I think would be very good for them. Uh, Tommy LaStella is still a free agent. I mean, there's still some guys that uh, could make some impacts on this team. Now, if we want to talk White Sox, uh, there's a couple guys that I would love for them to sign. Uh, the two guys that I would love for them to sign and call it an offseason, James Paxton adds another guy to our rotation. And then we also would have uh, Brad Miller, who's a very good power bench bat. He could DH against righties. He's a good utility guy if somebody's tired needs a day off. So that's uh, basically it for baseball. Pat, do you want to take the reins on Let's hockey? Right here. Let's dive into the Hawks. Because I'll be honest with you, man, I, I'm obviously the Hawks are my go-to team in Chicago. I love them to death, and I, I'll be the first one to swallow swallow that that pill. And I, if I'm wrong about this team, I mean, I'm happy I'm wrong. Um, I mean, you come into the season with a roster that we have a, a bad mindset of coming into the end of the season. Uh, we lose guys like Seabrook, Taze, and Kirby Doc. I mean, I was expecting an absolute debacle this season, and we are currently sitting in the fifth spot of the Central Division. Obviously, the first four were who make the playoffs. Um, we're sitting at 5-4-4 four, and four after 13 games played with 14 points. And I will say this, the Lightning lead the Central. They're 8-1-1. One, and one. They have 17 points. 
The Blue Jackets are number two. They're six, five, and three with 15 points. The Panthers are number four with nine games played. They're six, one, and two with 14 points. Hurricanes are seven, three, and zero oh with 14 points. So you have a th- you have three teams with 14 points in uh, that going for that fourth spot in the uh, excuse me that no, third third and fourth spot in the Central right now. So the Hawks are hanging in there, and I think the best way of putting it is to break it set of best a couple games ago where. The Hawks realize they're not going to win games strictly based off their talent. They're lacking in that talent portion. They're missing guys like, <clears throat> obviously, like Taze and, and, and Doc and and, uh, and Bocas right now, too, as well. Seabrook. They need to win games based off hard work and just being a grittier team. And that's what Jeremy Calvin has begun to preach. And that's what these guys are buying into. And you ha- when you have when you hear that statement coming from a guy like Alex Brink, who's having a hell of a season on the power play, Patrick Kane even talked about it, that he is building this culture of hard work and grittiness and winning games not by our our strengths and our, and, and our, our talent and winning games strictly based off of what we can do in terms of how we are a team, how we practice. Everybody's buying into it right now, and they're they're a gritty ass team. Um, they're I mean, Lankin and Subban are playing really fucking well. I mean, they're keeping us in these games. Our power play, I think, it might even be the second best in the league now because I think Dallas was number two, and we hosed them in that last game on Sunday. We played against them in terms of their power play, and I think three of our goals came on the power play that game. Or no, wait, that I'm thinking of. A, I'm thinking of a different game. Disregard that. But still. I mean, I mean, I love watching the games. Whether win or lose, it's kind of similar to a bull situation, where I'm happy losing by two, or by a goal, by a heartbreaker goal. I mean, I suck. I hate seeing the team lose in overtime, and I hate seeing them lose in a shootout. But the fact that they're pushing hard, so hard against teams like the Hurricanes. I mean, guys, I was expecting us to get shit out by the Hurricanes, and we hung with them the entire way, both games. It was an absolute dogfight. Um, I have mad props to Calden. I'll, I'll give credit when credit's due, and I'll be the first one to eat my own words. Uh, I mean, this team is building a is. I mean, I can't believe I say this, they might be building a winning culture right now with the mindset that Calden's offering up, and a lot of people are buying into it. What do you guys got on this? Yeah, I agree. This team is really fun to watch. Uh, sneaking out some wins. I mean, a lot of our losses are just heartbreakers. I mean, it could go either way. We could be in a totally different situation. I feel like that's how the Blackhawks have been all these other seasons since they went on their three-cup win. It seems like we're always right there, uh, but some things need to swing our way. But, Pat, you're right. I think building towards the future, I'm happy with how we're looking right now. Going into the season, I thought we were definitely going to be towards the bottom of the barrel and have no outlook on the future. Uh, Future's looking not too bad. Uh, especially shout out to Jeremy Colladin. Uh, if you look at this roster on paper, uh, it's not looking too hot, but this team is battling. I love our fourth line. I know Pat, you're a big proponent of that. Also, they just bust their ass off. We saw that last game where, uh, they would come in and they would not take the puck out of the offensive zone for the whole shift and just keep attacking the net. Uh, that was great to see. Uh, the Hawks are looking good, but let's see what the future holds with this team once Kirby comes back next season and hopefully Taze comes back next season as well. I'm I'm ecstatic about this team right now for the main reason I thought this team was going to be the worst team in the NHL coming into the season, um, with just kind of everything flying around at the beginning um, and stuff starting to stack up and us not being too high on Colleton. And I, I got to give it to him, man. He's kind of definitely kind of changed my look at him. 
and this whole kind of like message that the front office he wants to come in and kind of build under these young players and we're starting to see it we're, we're finally starting to see cracks and glimmers of what their plan has been told to do so if we're able to if we're able to see this plan build like i said small small steps boys once we see these small steps we're gonna be we're gonna be looking bright in the future um and like i said i'm ecstatic you know the teams teams not like they they're not like they were the past couple of years but you know we're doing a lot better than the worst team in the nhl right now so i'm happy yeah, I mean, I, I really, it's hard to find any complaints. You know, this team, if you're going to go out and lose, go out and lose, giving everything you possibly can. That's exactly what this team is. See them lose those games in overtime and in a shootout. Um, and I do want to close out on a quick little discussion regarding the shootout. But let's kind of go into the most recent Blackhawks Talk podcast with Charlie Meliotis and Pat Boyle. They sat down and talked with uh, Hawks GM and President of Hockey Ops, Sam Bowman, to kind of three major injuries, and that's going to be Kirby Doc, Brent Seabrook, and Jonathan Taze. Um, I'll start with Kirby Doc. He said Kirby Doc is out there skating. I mean, he he looks like he's almost ready to go, but you just, I mean, it's, he's, Bowman said he's got a lot of obstacles to clear before he's able to play. Um, like you said, you watch him skate, and he, it looks like he could play tomorrow night, but obviously he's got a long road ahead of him with healing up that wrist. So, I mean, hey, I mean, he's a young guy. He loves being around the team still. He's always out there. He's you know trying to keep that camaraderie up, and he obviously it sucks he can't be out there. But um, you know he's got the right mindset going into it right now, and the fact that he's really working his ass off while he's got a bum hand, he's doing anything that he possibly can during this time. Uh, it's a great mindset to have as a young player who we potentially see being our captain in the near future. And spinning that into our current captain right now, Jonathan Taze, um, Bowen said that nothing has changed. In terms of Jonathan Say's status, uh, as of the last time that he had was on that podcast with those two, now that sucks to hear. But I found it very uh, relieving to hear Stan Bowman say that whatever you've heard online, the very messed up stories and rumors you've heard around, he's like that none of that's true. I mean, Bowman came out and said none of that's true. Don't listen to anything you hear online. He was personally, and we said we weren't going to address any of those rumors out of respect for and integrity for Jonathan Tays and the Hawks organization. And the fact that Bowman came out and dispelled those right away was a promising sign. Um, so we, you know, Bowman made sure to let Tays know that you focus on yourself, you get yourself healthy, you get your family in a good position, and when you're ready to come back, we'll be ready to have you, um, which is a great mindset to have, and obviously wish Tays nothing but the best. And I think the more scary news right now is is Brent Zebrook. Um, he did hurt his back. He was busting his ass over the, the offseason, kind of coming back from the injury that uh, did prevent him from playing in the bubble. And he did have a setback with a back injury early in training camp. And he is skating just a little bit, but there is no time for him to come back. Um, you know, he's still around the, the team. He's got that positive mindset he always has. But as of right now, I mean, it seems like uh, Bowman's almost kind of concerned as to when he may potentially hit the ice again. Yeah, uh, for Hawks fans, I think it's safe to say that we won't see Kirby or Taze for the rest of the year. Uh, I know it'd be nice to see them again, but again, we're looking for the future here with these guys, uh, especially Kirby Doc. Like Pat said, possibly our captain of the future. Uh, Jonathan Taze, who's our captain now, like Pat said, uh, we want him at full health, full everything. Whatever's going on, we need him to be 
in the right state of mind to perform for this team. So however long that takes, I know the city of Chicago is behind Taze's back all the time, 10 times out of 10. So whatever Taze needs to do, we need him to do. And then Brent Seabrook, uh, after reports, I want to say it was two or three weeks ago, saying that he was very close to coming back on the ice. And now it kind of seems like those things are in question. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds with Brent Seabrook, uh, especially with how much time is still left on his contract. Uh, let's hope everything's good with him. Let's hope he gets healthy. Uh, but I think it's safe to say, and probably the best mindset for Hawks fans, is the team that we have now, including Boquist, who is out right now, is the team that we're going to have for the rest of the season. Yeah, my message for is uh, my message for our guys that are hurt right now. We really don't need you right now, unfortunately. Um, the next couple of years, we will, or next season. So we really need you guys to get back uh, to one hundred percent. And when the time comes, hopefully that everyone is healthy. Because um, right now, there's no need to come back. Though. There's no need. There's none. Yeah, so to close out our Hawks portion, I do want to hit on the Hawks' performances in these shootouts. Um, I believe they had three shootout performances so far this year, and we are struggling mightily. I mean, Patrick Kane is not able to score. He's had a breaker. He's had a, uh, <clears throat> a penalty shot that he did not execute on. I don't think he's executed on one shootout goal this year. I mean, the, the Blackhawks' offense is struggling mightily with this new look, I guess, we have. I mean, Subban and Lankinen haven't, haven't been playing horrible in the shootouts. But, I mean, having, I believe it's been Kurashev, Kane. Uh, we had one game without the Brinket, and we put in, I think, Yanmark. It was Yanmark, strong. yeah. Uh, I mean, our offense is just not there for a team that we've always been dominant when it comes to shootouts. Like, I mean, a couple years ago, if the Hawks wanted to shoot out, I'm betting the Hawks to win, especially when we had Corey Crawford, too. I mean, there's no way we we're going to lose, and now it seems like we can't even buy a goal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a struggling point for sure. Uh, I mean, even the offense during the games, I know the last couple games it's been better, but we did hit that rough stretch where it seemed like we weren't putting near enough uh, shots on goal. Uh, but shootout-wise, I think it is what it is for now, and we just got to roll with it. I know we're struggling, but at least I don't see it improving anytime soon. Hopefully Kane can get back to his old form. Uh, Lankinen and Subban have not been terrible. Uh, regarding play uh, in-game and the shootout. They haven't been terrible. Lankinen's been a nice little piece so far. So hopefully we just keep rolling and improve on the shootouts. Uh, I think a shootout, though, feelings go different every night. Hopefully the Hawks can uh, catch a hot streak and really do well in shootout. Uh, I know three times the season we've already been one. I don't know how many times we're going to be in one for the rest of the season. But let's hope it improves. Let's hope we keep winning games. Let's hope we just score an OT so we don't have to go to shootouts, which we saw last game. So definitely let's keep improving that. Okay, I had my epiphany moment. Uh, it was Gerard Dyson. That's who I was trying to hit on. As like our speedy guy that we would throw in for those extra inning situations. Yeah. But yeah, that's because I'm pretty sure he came in. I think he came into bat for Eagle in game three of the, the A series. But it was Dyson because we avoided arbitration with him. And it would have took me like 20 minutes during that Hawks segment to try to research and figure out who the fuck he was. Um, so we'll close out the Hawks. We'll move into the Bulls. Who, I mean, 
they're sitting. Uh, they lost their they lost lost last night to the Wizards. They're currently sitting at nine and fourteen in the season, and they're sitting twelfth in the Eastern Conference. They're four and six in the last ten games. I feel like the mood has changed. Our mood, at least, has changed a decent amount over the past week or two in regards to this team. Is we've hit some highs, and I think we're at a pretty bad low right now. I feel like our team. I think that has to do a lot to do with injuries. Obviously, we lost Wendell for a month. He should be coming back in about two weeks. We just lost Lori Markin to a shoulder injury. He's hoping to be back in the next week and a half to two weeks as well. Um, and I think that's showing mightily that we're missing, especially Wendell uh, as, a, as a rebounder down in the paint. Um, we are going up against the Pelicans next uh, after yeah, Pelicans next after we just lost to the Wizards. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean. Granted, like I said, we we're not hitting the panic button. We don't really understand where we are as a team right now. But I mean, this little rough patch we've been in lately. We split, well, mainly just because we've been splitting series. We split against the Knicks, um, and I believe we just split again with the Magic as well. Um, and some of those games were heartbreakers, like really bad heartbreakers that we easily could have won that we just really just we lost control of. Um, I just I feel I've been feeling kind of down about this team lately. I don't know why. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention to them as much. Um, I mean, how how do you guys feel about the team right now in the current state we're in? I I Pat, you said it perfectly. Absolutely zero reason to hit the panic button. I I've been talking about it the last couple podcasts. Some Bulls fans need to just take a step back, relax. This is the this is the year that the front office. And the coaches are really going to evaluate everything. And then next season we might see some moves uh, regarding the future. Uh, but this is just, it's a year for everybody to look and see what they want. I know it's kind of uh, worrisome uh, about uh, Levine, Colby. I've been seeing a bunch of stuff on him. People just need to take a step back, relax. Realize that nothing's going to happen now. We are not a NBA championship team right now. So for everybody that's saying that we need to start making moves to win this season, just relax. We're fine. We're right where we want to be. The future's ahead of us. We have a bright future. We got a young team. Now I will say with the injuries to Lori and Wendell, it seems like these two guys can't stay healthy on the court. I was looking at somebody tweeted this uh, about Lori. Uh, I want to say it was either yesterday or a couple days ago that each they had a breakdown of each season how many games he's played. He's missed a shit ton of games due to injury the last three four seasons. So that's kind of worrisome, uh, especially with uh, the shoulder, especially with a guy like Lori uh, who shoots a lot, uh, could be impactful. So. I don't know what to say on that. Hopefully he can get healthy and stay healthy, but I don't know. Pat, do you want to get into the Levine talk right now? I want to get into Lonzo Ball talk first before you go jump into Levine because I read an article earlier on that Lonzo Ball, uh, I think it's been publicly stated by the Pelicans that they're openly looking or uh, listening to offers for Lonzo Ball as well as uh, J.J. Redick. And – the uh, the agent for uh, Lamelo Ball or Lonzo Ball said that if you know obviously Lonzo wants to stay, but if you are looking to trade him, we obviously understand it's a business, and Chicago would be his number one spot in terms of where he wants to go. 
And when I saw that rumor, I'm like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And I'm assuming that Levine is going to end up being a package, a part of that trade. Um, and from the article I read, it doesn't seem like he would be. And the two main sources, um, leaving the Bulls is going to be somebody like Thad Young, who's having a phenomenal season right now, as well as Otto Porter, which honestly, <clears throat> Otto's been playing well. I'm not going to take away from him, but he's got a huge contract. And why the Pelicans want him, I have absolutely no clue. But given the opportunity and the way I'm starting to shift as to how I feel about Colby White, I don't hate the idea of potentially seeing Lonzo Ball in a Bulls jersey if we are losing Otto or Thad. I don't I don't hate it at all. I'm actually kind of intrigued by it, and I would welcome it if it, if, if it came to fruition. I would definitely welcome that. Uh, for this season, I'm kind of leaning away from uh, trading Zach Levine. I kind of want to keep him till the end of this year because, like I said, this is a big year for the front office just to see, just to look at the pieces, evaluate who they want for the future. Uh, and I then I think next year we'll definitely see where this team stands. Uh, so I think it would be better to keep Levine for now and kind of reevaluate next year. But if a trade did come up now, like a trade that blew us out of the water, I would think about it, and uh, the ball trade, I'm all for it. I think that'd be great. I think you would do very well uh, with the type of play that the Bulls have. Yeah, and I think that goes right into our next portion of let's let's start chatting about Zach Levine. Obviously, a big portion of our podcast a couple weeks ago was the idea of potentially trading Zach Levine to get a shit ton of capital because his draft stock or his trade stock is so high right now. And I was a proponent of keeping Kobe White and maybe trying to build around him and Lori. And I don't think I'm leaning that way anymore, Brandon. I really don't. I've seen the stats Lori or Zach Levine's been putting up lately, averaging over 30 points. He's maxing out close to 39 points. He takes over games in the fourth quarter. I'm agreeing with you at the moment. I don't want to trade him this season. I want to play it out and see if he continues this this run of brilliance he's playing right now and see if that goes in the next season and then if it doesn't then we maybe consider trading him but I don't think I want to trade him right now yeah I agree uh just hold on to him see what happens uh this team again just like it just drives me nuts and it blows my mind how some Bulls fans really are thinking that this is the year to just push everything to the front and go for it all just take a step back relax this is a young team uh, we have, in my eyes, I feel like we have a bright future, uh, whether that be with Levine or without. Uh, the only thing that confer- concerns me about Levine is that his contract is up in two years uh, after next season. I'm kind of worried that he could get a good deal and go somewhere else unless we extend him before that contract is up. In that case, if we if we don't feel like we can resign him, and we don't really need him for next season, I think then we would have to pull the trigger, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what happens. And then I think Zach wants to stay in Chicago. I don't think that's the issue there. It's just we need, in order to, if we're going to keep him, we need to start building around him. And if we're able to pay him, I'm okay with that if he keeps up this run in the next season. But if we're not building around them, I mean, that's what I want to kind of get into is with the Lonzo trade, I'm, I'm happily taking Lonzo 
and then that kind of voids my feelings in regards to Colby White and maybe seeing him fulfill a backup position or maybe potentially hitting the road and seeing himself in another jersey. So, I mean, it's it's a weird time for the Bulls fans. I agree. I think a lot of them are overhyping this, and we're like, we need to win the championship right now. And I think a lot of that is because this is really the first glimmer of hope we've seen in years with this organization. I think we're just kind of like seeing it. We want to embrace it as much as we can, but we need to kind of have some moderation. And, I mean, just the way Zach's playing, man, he takes over his games in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, we're what, I said we're eight and eight and thirteen, or nine and thirteen. I think right now we could easily be like a seven, seven, eight loss team. We've lost four or five games, anywhere from one to four points. We've lost heartbreakers, similar to the Hawks. I mean, we're right there. We're just missing a couple pieces and losing guys like Wendell Mori is going to hurt a lot. Uh-huh. But I, I just can't at the moment. I mean, unless you get a stupid offer for Zach right now. I, I think you do have to hold on to him and see what he does next year and potentially trade him to a contender when he's got only half a season left on his contract, and then we'll see what happens. But I, I just can't – I was so confident in talking myself into it earlier in the season, but now I, I just don't think I am. Just the way Colby White's been playing lately and the way Zach is playing, I just can't see myself wanting to go of him at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Bulls are definitely in an interesting spot. Uh, hopefully they continue to improve. Hopefully we can keep the injury bug away because that has definitely hurt us this season. Uh, Pat, do you have anything else on the Bulls? No, let's wrap it up with a quick run through of college basketball and then we can call it quits here for this episode. So, I mean, for the majority of the season, the college basketball scene has been a lock at, at one through three between Gonzaga, Baylor, and Villanova, and we've seen quite the shift lately, like I said. I mean, really, outside of those top two teams, Gonzaga and Baylor, it's an absolute bloodbath in the top 25, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And so we can now confidently say that we have Gonzaga at one, Baylor two, Michigan at three, Ohio State, a football school, is now turning into a basketball school. They're at number four. Villanova's at five. PT's Illini are now at number six. Some notable drops that I want to mention is that Alabama has dropped to 11 after a hot start. We're seeing a Missouri team that has now kind of peaked its way into the top 10. They're seeing it tearing out after a three-game win streak. Some notable ones that, you know, PT, he had to step away for this, the remainder of the podcast, so I'll kind of cover it for him. Texas has dropped three straight, and they've dropped 13 in the rankings. And most notably, Iowa has dropped two straight on their season, and they're dropping all the way to 15, which is quite the shocker yes. um, in terms of how strong this Big Ten conference is. I mean, now you have – we have three teams in the in the top ten right now, and you have uh, Iowa and Wisconsin rounding out, and Purdue and Rutgers. So you have six teams right there that are yeah. in the top twenty-five for the Big Ten, which is crazy to think about. And of course, I got to gas up my Missouri Valley really quick. Uh, Loyola has won ten straight; they're rolling through the valley, and they've peaked in the twenty-two spot in the top twenty-five. So, like I said, man, we're less than a month away from March Madness. And it is going to be a blast because yes, there, I, can't, I can't think of a team that has a significant advantage over another outside of Baylor and Gonzaga. I mean, if you give me a Michigan versus Loyola, Illinois matchup in the first round of the the, 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 or the, the tournament, uh, I guarantee you Loyola is going to give them an absolute run for their money. Like, there's just, there isn't. I feel like every year you have like five, six teams that just roll through the tournament. And you're going to have that with Gonzaga and Baylor this year, but that's only two teams. And I mean, it granted this Madison, March Madison is going to be the same with not having fans and 
you know, they're going to be in a bubble and stuff like that. But I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath this season. Yes, definitely. I do want to point out Iowa here. Kind of want to shed some light on them. They got a big game coming up against Rutgers. Rutgers has a big game against Iowa as well. Rutgers newly into the top 25 could uh, either really propel themselves and go deeper into the top 25 or Iowa could lose and shit, they're, they might get out of the top 20 if they lose. It's going to be yeah. uh, an interesting little game this week. Hopefully, it'll be a good game regardless. It'll be a nice Big Ten game. Iowa needs to come out with the win, and Rutgers needs to come out with the win. So, both these teams are just going to be absolutely battling. Yeah, not only do we have March Madness coming up in a couple of weeks, but conference tournament season's coming up in in a, in a closer time period. And, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this Big Ten one, and I, I'm a Big East guy. I mean, I, my, my Xavier Musketeers, they're, they're struggling with COVID right now. They, I really don't have a dog in a fight, but I cannot wait to watch this Big Ten tournament. I mean, like I said, between Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State. I mean, it's again. I hate using the word. I keep saying the word, but it's going to be a bloodbath, man. It's going to go down on the wire. These games to be so much fun to watch. And if you're a Big Ten team, this is exactly the conference you want to be in because the Big Ten tournament is going to be the best test to prepare you for going into March Madness, especially in a weird year like it's going to be in terms of being in a bubble in Indiana. So. I mean, that's all I got for college basketball, Brandon. You can wrap things up. Yeah, so that does it for this episode. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of news. Uh, we're getting closer to summer, uh, getting closer to March Madness. Uh, seasons are starting to finish. It's a good time of the year. Uh, football's done with, so now we have nothing but the off season to look forward to. It's going to be a very interesting off season for our Chicago Bears. Uh, but make sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and make sure to listen on Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast needs. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you in the next one. Peace out.